0: Welcome to the American Pavilion, celebrating our 33rd year at the Cannes Film Festival. Today, we are going to have the 2022 edition of the Cannes Film Festival assessed in a live edition of the IndieWire's weekly screen talk podcast hosted by Eric Cohn and Ann Thompson. Join me in welcoming them to the stage.
1: Hey, everybody. It's so great to be here. I feel like every year when we come back, it's like something is working in the world that we can sit on this stage and just sticker. We we just did our classic photo backstage where Anne tries to strangle me, but in reality we actually kind of like each other enough to be here. We and do. Talk about I,
0: I I would say I would use the word love. Yes. There I is real I'm love at our
1: apartment on uh, <laughs> right right by the JW Marriott, and we're surviving can. It's been a good year so far. We
0: discovered a third bathroom. It was very exciting. Yes, yeah
1: these apartments are are mysteries unto themselves. But so here we are, and we're recording this pretty far along into the festival. We've seen a lot of competition films. As expected, it's a very unpredictable competition, very unpredictable year, very unpredictable market uh, for international cinema. So I don't know where we should begin, but I think we should talk about movies we've both seen. So you'd actually dashed over here. Seeing so I went recently. to the
0: Sanam this morning uh, to catch up and I got the news. I figured it out that, you know, a lot of people have been having trouble with tickets and we're not, um, exempt, uh, you can get in there with just a badge. You can waltz in. I love hacking the can system. Yes, it's, oh, so there's no, always a hack. You want you want you want to be able to just use you know wave your badge and go to the screening you want to do. I miss that, you know. Um, so, uh, decision to leave. Excellent. Park
1: Chan-wook. Excellent. Back at can.
0: Excellent detective procedural with a femme fatale uh, in, at the center and um, very sexy and beautifully shot. Um, and moody and I it's the kind of movie where I want to just jump up and down and say this is the best movie I've seen again and yet I recognize that in in the world of juries and the palm d'or, there's a lot of competition
1: yeah I mean this, so this is Park Chan-wook is one of those directors who operates at such a high level and if you know that you just automatically kind of come in with this respect for the filmmaking and it's there on the screen. This is also a departure for him. It's not as visceral and violent a movie. It really is, like you say, a romantic It's a mood noir. piece. It, a has, mood piece. A
0: li- it shares more with something like In the Mood for Love.
1: Yes, and and it's also, even though it is a mystery, it's not really... That's not incre- what it's about. Yeah, it's actually fairly predictable. It's about the femme sense.
0: fatale. Yes, And exactly. the relationship with the, this upright cop, very handsome, very dignified, as she calls him, who is quite besotted with his suspect.
1: So so that's a movie that I think, you know, you have a jury headed by Vincent Linden, who, who we assume as an actor might be most responsive to emotionally accessible movies. Maybe he really likes, and the filmmakers on the jury might go for something a little bit more Say, audacious yeah. in terms of what it's doing cinematically. Like, and then
0: the actors often go for emotion, yeah. which is how you get a D. Pan or uh, an eye. Daniel Blake right. uh, winning, winning the. But we coming Dour. off
1: of that tea-tain last year, and and you know that was a like case that. where they
0: went for audacious filmmaking. Yeah. So
1: let's let's talk about one. David Cronenberg, uh, who has never won the Palm d'Or before, even he may be overdue. But this times.
0: isn't the film that's going to get seventy nine
1: years old, and he's making a movie about. A a near future where you can replicate, you can create fake organs and and remove them as as, um, performance art.
0: Our bodies are evolving and some people uh, go with the flow and other people resist. That's what it's really about. And it's also about performance art and a kind of evolved sexuality. Old fashioned sex is not what people do anymore. Surgery is a
1: new sex apparently. So I would say this could be a palm film and and here's why. It is a film that people keep talking about. Every event I've gone to, I was at a dinner last night with a bunch of different filmmakers who were here for the anniversary. Everybody had a different opinion about it. Nobody hated it. And there was a ton of reverence for the director.
0: That's all good. And I agree with all of that. It is full of uh, really provocative imagery and um, uh, the actors do an amazing job of bringing a lot of dialogue to life. And I would argue that somewhere in the execution Cronenberg fell down and it's very stilted.
1: It's a 20 year old script. That, and it also you know, feels dated, it, but part I of the think performance
0: art aspects of it feel dated.
1: But, I mean, look, there's a guy with ears all over his body dancing around. I've never seen that in cinema before. That's what people keep talking about. The vision, the fact that it gets you talking. People want to see it again to look at certain areas. What matters
0: is what the jury is saying inside the jury, and they're not talking to they're anyone not else. Talking. And they're they not see reading me walk reviews. up to them, and they, and they look they terrified. Look, they look the other way. Right. So I would say that's not irrelevant. It may be true in terms of maybe the movie doing well at the box office because there is a lot to discuss, and it is provocative, and it is old Cronenberg. And
1: Neon uh, is releasing that very smartly, I think, right after this festival. Yes, I agree. you're not going to get better buzz than the canned buzz. For the one like
0: that, that everybody's talking about also is Triangle of Sadness, the right. Ruben Oslo. Speaking of Neon. Which was picked up by Neon for a very hefty sum, somewhere in the range of $8 million is the Some rumor. But ten, you uh, never uh, really you know. know. But they there was making
1: a, it sound like more, I know.
0: There right? was a bidding war and they waited until canned to negotiate. They waited for the public screening to negotiate. And... Um, they uh, have a commercial movie on their hands and the reason I can say that is that it has been the subject of discussion ever since it's screened. And I sat in a press screening where, you know, they look to be critical, uh, where they laughed their heads off and applauded yeah, in the, the middle of the, the, the movie. The of
1: the movie is undeniable even when people, it's, I wouldn't necessarily say it's a Palme d'Or winner. Um, Probably but, not, just because is, he's won
0: so recently. Yeah,
1: but also, the opinions vary the about square. how much of it. There's a lot of twists in this. It's a class satire. It starts on a boat, then it goes to a desert no, island. it starts in
0: the modeling it world. Starts in the
1: modeling world, goes to a boat, goes to a desert island. It, it, it's long. It's it feels it's uncompromising. Hilarious. It could have been pulled in, but it is very funny. And anyone
0: no who idea. understands comedy and filmmaking has to recognize the skill involved in the writing, the conceiving, and the executing. Not only the shooting of it but the editing of it. He took six months to edit the sequence that is the centerpiece of the movie, the throw up sequence. Yeah, among other things there is a scatological <laughs> element as well, but it is kind of going to be a legendary thing just to think thing. about it. This yeah. woman sliding around on a bathroom floor, yeah. you know. I mean, um, that's a movie
1: that absolutely needed the can launch to get to where it is because even if you look at the reviews or some people are picking it apart in different kinds of it's ways. It's mixed the response. You know, I mean, they needed that Reaction That's right. It's a and that's why movie. they did it.
0: And that's what festivals are all about. Yep. You have to. And what, that's what comedy is about. He even previewed the movie uh, repeatedly. You know, that that's how good this movie is. It, it <laughs> I just have I just have a certain awe in, in terms of the uh, execution of something like this. You know, you can't you, you can't just say it's mainstream and, and write it off. It's it's. It's not mainstream. It's not. It's ma- a weird movie. In the world of in the world of can mainstream of perhaps. Of can <laughs> it is a crowd. Closer. In our little
1: bubble here.
0: There's a crowd. It's a crowd. It is not high art in the usual sense. Yeah, I
1: always say. I and mean, this is my 15th can. I don't know if you've if you've been keeping track. I stopped counting. She's way ahead of me. But I do feel like coming back here. there there's a certain part of your brain that starts processing things that's okay how am i going to explain this to everyone else when we get home because we live in a country that doesn't have the kind of film culture that you see here i mean france's government pours money into cinema as almost like a civic duty
0: but you live in a city that does live well, and breathe yes. this new kind york of city
1: does spoil you in that respect
0: and los angeles does too
1: but we speak to everyone and you do need more than that on certainly for these for these films that are going to travel around.
0: Alright, so the context that we're operating in is how are, you know, this is an example of a healthy market. Uh, the streamers actually weren't even in the market for this movie. And so it went, it, the bidders were places like A24 and and Searchlight and and Neon won, won the prize. But it, it's, a, it's a very big question mark what kind of world these movies are going to be released in. And we need movies like this, like every, every Everything everywhere at once. We need movies like this that play, that that get people into the theater to get people talking.
1: Yeah. And we've seen some other films this year that seem like they could work in theaters in theory, but for a different kind of audience that may or may not be going anymore. Like the new James Gray film, We Should Talk About Armageddon Time, played pretty early in the festival. And
0: it's still one of the best received films. It, it
1: was well received, but this is a film that is is much more familiar. You know it's not taking some wild gambles it's a familiar period piece in a drama. way it's a
0: straight-on family drama uh, squid in the whale kind of thing you know yeah. it, it is it is very personal it is very autobiographical and he talks about uh, james gray talks about the lead kid that is who's basically his younger self yeah. and and says that. it's that he's that it's him right the guy's playing me
1: Right. And, and James Gray is a fascinating Cannes filmmaker, too. I remember coming here in 2007 was We Own the Night. I think it was that year. And realizing how, what a big deal James Gray was at Cannes, because in the U.S. It's the
0: only place really where now. he is a big yeah, deal.
1: exactly. And yet he's, he keeps getting, actors want to work with him. He gets, in this case, focused features to find. his movie. This could his be movie. his most
0: accessible film yeah. to date. And yet it is dogged by uh, an almost predictable problem that uh he chose to tell a story of a young white guy and a young black guy and their relationship and what happens to them and it's a it's a little bit uh about white guilt because of course it's about how he has he has all the right things going for him that the black kid doesn't have and there are a lot of people who object to him telling the story
1: yeah, and I think the discourse around that movie will be one that we'll have to follow. But the question is, how does it translate? I mean, Focus will want to probably relaunch this. It's a fall title. I'm sure books. it'll be
0: New York Film Festival, Centerpiece, it, something yeah, like that, that.
1: kind of thing. So we'll see how that kind of conversation evolves. I mean, diversity conversations at Cannes are usually different than the way they are in the U.S. because you're dealing with this more global reach. I mean, you're, you know, I've seen a lot of African films here this year, which are, it's fascinating to see films like Boy From Heaven, which is an Egyptian story, or Joyland and in a certain regard from Pakistan. And you, know, you do see a different kind of scope. And so the, the kind of, it's harder to figure out what is the real discourse back home, and how does it compare to the way these films are seen here. So we'll see how that moves along. One film in that respect we should talk about is the Darden brothers movie. This is one
0: of my favorite films, Torre y Um It's it's a it's a, a movie with a mystery at its center. The um, um, <laughs> there's a, a brother and a sister, and yet uh, the sister can't the older sister can't get her papers because the powers that be don't believe that there's proof that they are actually related. And we follow all the traps and all of the boxes that they're put in, all the impediments in their way. And it's really touching and moving. And how many minutes is it, Eric?
1: It's under 90.
0: It's amazing. They don't waste time. These guys are so (laughs) good at nailing it.
1: Yeah, it's always impressive. Although I will say, I mean, the Dardens suffer on some level from being so... Specific in their style that I almost feel like I'm just. It's like you go see Radiohead and you're like, oh, it's another Radiohead show. It's like another Darden show. And I, I appreciate. We shouldn't it. take
0: it for granted. I don't take it for it's granted. It's about you, critics but. who want to find <laughs> something new every time. Yeah, and, and I, God I adore forbid, something new. you know, I remember. Oh, I always tell this story. I remember being in Toronto when um, Vincent and Theo was in the uh, being shown from Robert Altman, and the critics didn't have anything new. It was just oh, it's just another. Robert Altman movie made me crazy
1: yeah I mean I'm not gonna say it's just another Darden movie but it is a Darden movie that feels familiar to a certain extent and it ends a little too abruptly I, I thought I mean I don't want to spoil anything but it 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 felt to some degree like they're so confident in what they're doing that they they didn't need to go the extra mile on this one. And I wanted a little bit more because the characters in this film are great refugees. It feels very timely. We see a lot of, of refugee stories in the festival this year, actually. I
0: don't want to give anything yeah. away, but the end it kicks you in the gut. It is
1: brutal. It is, it is brutal. Uh, there And are that's other what films. they're going for. There are other films here. I think like, you, I, I, I don't think you've had a chance to see it. yet. the new Christian Munju film also deals with this theme in certain ways. So you can feel that there's something in the air in, in that respect. And, um, I don't know. I really wish that you'd had a chance to see the Charlie Skolimowski movie about a donkey, because that's the most fun movie to talk about. It's just a donkey. It's the oh, Balthazar in, in, a, in a more timely uh, context. But you're ahead of me on some things. You've seen Elvis, for example, which I'm going to see later today in my tux. Um, what do you make of the more commercial films here?
0: It's interesting. Uh, the George Miller 3,000 Years of Longing um, is... Exactly what he wanted to do, and I don't know how far the audience is going to go along with him. I give him all due points it's a very for taking uh, this leap uh, narratively and and visually and and twitting these two the djinn and the academic in a room together in their 50s and making a romance out of it. Yeah. I totally went with it, but at the same time that it also doesn't entirely
1: work. Yeah, I was saying it's before Midnight meets Aladdin, which is not really a combo that <laughs> totally jealous, So that's kind of why. But I mean, you know, that's a fearless filmmaker. And then the other mind. the
0: other one is, is 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 it's actually Elvis and and Baz Luhrmann it's exactly what you expect from Baz Luhrmann. It's Bad's big overload. and dazzling and audacious, and he crams stuff in and, and gets as much intel in there as he possibly can. And Austin Butler is going to be a star, and we shall see uh, how bad the reviews for Tom Hanks will actually yeah, wind it, up. Yeah,
1: wondering. And all the the, uh, imitations of whatever accent he's got going on in that one. Dutch. Oh, boy. It was a real guy.
0: I I was talking to one of my uh, journalist friends from Holland, and and he was, in fact, uh, uh, perhaps a murderer.
1: Which isn't necessarily a justification for a bad performance. It's
0: justification for being exiled in the United States and not putting Elvis on the road.
1: <laughs> well, I'll get a chance to see it eventually and, and catch up. But that's not coming out for quite some time. So they get the kind of dazzling can response. June. Yeah. That's so not so far of, away. Yeah. I guess so. End of June. It's all relative. No, that's why it's it here. Like no, that's yeah. why it's
0: playing so late yeah. here. It's going to be launching the, a lot of these big movies are really about their year. I I was arguing with someone about who saw Alex Garland's Men which has already opened in the States yeah. and, and I've, I said that's not at the festival. <laughs> it was I forgot. Yeah, yeah. I forgot. But it,
1: but it did get a very good sort of international launch in Director's Fortnite which right. is a different way to position a film here. So before we open up to questions we should talk about that actually because I never really thought about what the competition meant at a festival until I started getting into discussions about it here. The way the competition, it's like, if you see a movie and you like it, the first question is, why isn't it in competition? Like, that's a thing that's hotly debated here. So,
0: all right. This it, this relates to the Terry Frimo question, which is that as much as we respect him and we know he loves cinema, he loves it so much. And he's been on this podcast.
1: Yeah, on this um, stage.
0: He gets he slammed a lot because uh, there seems to be a kind of blind spot when it comes to women directors. Yeah. So people have seen, uh, you saw the Mia Hansen Love, right? Mia
1: yeah, Hansen Love and Directors for a I saw Leah. Demetrius' film, uh, her second film after her film, Ava, which won Critics Week, called The Five Devils. And this is someone who had, she wrote the Claire Denis film that's in competition here. She wrote the Jacques Odiard film that was in competition last year. So she may be a younger director, but they put a sophomore effort from a younger director in competition last year. It was Titane from Julia de Carnot who won they the They couldn't punk. deny that one. She, but this one is really good too. It's a biracial story about a kid who can capture her parents' sense. And and by smelling their scents, see their past, and she starts to study the past of her two parents. And and Adele Xarchopoulos plays the mom. She's great. Um, It would have done really. It would have elevated her to a competition director, and she would have stayed there. And that's the kind of decision that made. But
0: one fine morning is the other one that people seem right. to love a lot.
1: Right, which was picked up by Sony Pictures Classics here. So it's a very grounded drama. She has a subtle style. If you're into it, you're into it. Um, very good Léa Seydoux performance. Very okay. different from Cronenberg. So.
0: And then the one I saw, which was in A Saultein regard, along with a lot of other directing uh, efforts by women, uh, was called Corsage, and it stars Vicky Creeps as a, uh, an empress of, of Austria-Hungary, and she is resisting her role. Uh, if, if you if you saw Spencer, you get the general drift. Uh, but this is back. This it's corsets, it's it's wigs, it's resistance to the emperor, and it's really fun. And Marie Kreutzer is a German director who's been established. She's not new. She's not up and coming. She's won prizes at festivals. Right. This is a mystery to me because Vicky Creeps could have been in. In the running for Best Actress.
1: The, there's a puzzle-like process of the way they put this competition together where it's like they they need a certain number of French films which they choose at the last minute. They're beholden to certain sales companies. They'll never say that, Thierry will never say that. But you look at Wild bunch, totally MK. Two, look at who's even the
0: American agency.
1: Yeah, so that there, there's a process to it that goes beyond what's good and what's not good. But there's also
0: the old auteurs, and they make their slots, and they don't, they can't. I, I don't think they should have left the Darden's out. They totally deserve to be there, or Cronenberg, but or or James Gray, but they make those spots available, right? And then there's only so many slots left, and they wait until the last minute for the women too.
1: Yeah. Well, so we'll see what happens with the Palm Race this year. There's still um, some films left to screen, but it'll be fascinating to see how this conversation evolves, especially with Cannes getting a new president, its first woman president, who just got to town this week. Uh, So watch this space. But we'll be back next year, and I'm sure these numbers will be very much central to the conversation because... The festival can only move forward. At this point, it's pure backlash if they don't see some sort of progress on this. Okay,
0: point, so, so IFC did pick up uh, Corsage. Yep. And uh, Sony Pictures Classics picked up Return to Soul. Yep. And and, and One by Morning. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so, okay. so there community. were some sales. Yeah yeah. 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 Things are looking okay. Yeah. Why don't we take some
1: questions? Go for from, it. Uh, from the crowd. I think we have a microphone, which helps us with our recording. So. Um, we'll start with you on the aisle as soon as they can get that booted up and here it comes right over there. With uh, COVID impacting so many larger scale productions over the last couple of years, do you think this is, this, there will be a drought that um, art house and smaller films can actually fill over the, over the next 18 months say?
0: It still feels like there's a backlog of product that is coming in. It's a question of... it. it there isn't a lack of product, it's a question of how much of it is actually going to the theaters. Yeah. That's the problem. And so, there, A lot of this, as you know, a lot of the studios are taking these, these pictures and putting them in, or the streamers are picking them up. It's going to streaming, one way or the other. And I'm hoping that as the numbers get better, and Top Gun performs, and all the big summer movies, Jurassic World, or, or Everything Everywhere at Once, which everyone keeps citing as the exciting example uh, of something that can work in theaters, that more movies will go back to theaters.
1: Yeah, although the, there's a lot of trepidation among buyers here. I've, I've heard people, when, it, when an art house distributor tells you nothing is working right now, it's a real reason to for concern. I mean, Or
0: if you shut down the landmark in Los Angeles. Yeah,
1: yeah, major theaters are closing, and, and films that seem like they're really important, like, say, Happening, uh, open and, and don't do really well, even with all the great reviews and all that kind of stuff. So it, that kind of thing is discouraging, but... This is not a static situation, and Can Buzz can help and reviews and so forth, so you know, to be continued, I suppose. Uh, let's go to you, and then we'll go to you. I'm wondering if you've seen uh, um, After Sun, and if you have, how you feel that will go commercially. Thank you for, uh, for reminding us to talk about that we movie. Sh- we
0: meant to, actually. Yes. We, yeah. we, it's on our list of things to discuss. Um, Eric and I saw it early, um, and it's uh, a movie that sticks with you. It, it's a, a remarkable uh, debut with a great performance by Paul Mescal, but a young actress as well. It's Did a, you see it's, the
1: movie? You, haven't seen? Oh, you loved it. Favorite it, of the festival. It's, it's, Eric,
0: uh, I know you love it, too. Yeah,
1: you know, I mean, visually, it's just so straight. You're inside someone's memories in a way that, I mean, there, there are moments in that movie I've been thinking about, particularly the last shot but the way that it's planted through other shots throughout the movie, you know it's a director very in command of what they're doing. And what I love about those kinds of discoveries at festivals is that you're not just thinking about how great the filmmaking is here. You're thinking about, oh, this, Charlie Wells is a really young director. Like this is the start of something, and it's produced by Barry Jenkins and his producing team at Pastel. And I remember seeing his first film and having a similar reaction. So that's what's exciting with the film. Yeah, like this
0: is a hot discovery, and someone who's going to be someone to watch for for some time to come. It's a remarkable movie because it's very uh, slow, and it just puts you in and immerses you in this in this vacation. It's slow. Slow like a vacation, and the character played by Paul Mescal—you begin to figure out—is very sad, and and you're just immersed in this. You you get caught up in it in a way, and it doesn't leave you after you've seen the film.
1: So that was bought by A24. And that's a company that's really good at getting in the filmmaker business, right? Does that movie do really well for them? Well, word of mouth could be strong reviews are through the roof, all that kind of stuff. So that could go really well, but also then they can figure out what her next project is going to be. So that's, that's a really good story to come out of the festival as well. Um, so we had another question. The gentleman in the hat here. Hi. I was also going to ask about After Science. So I'm glad you guys talked about that. But also um, the other Paul Mescal vehicle, God's Creatures, I also watched and did enjoy. And I wanted to ask um, what your thoughts are on the prospects of the stars of both Paul Mescal and Emily Watson in the Best Actor and Best Actress race this year. Ooh.
0: So I still have to write my um, my Oscar story, my sort of can Oscar rap. And I have I've been thinking about that. God's Creatures is a beautiful movie. Beautiful movie. Very well-made movie. And they're both really good in it. It's a question, it's the you know, chicken and egg thing. I mean, it does it actually get put out properly? Does it actually get uh, a big, a big critical response? Does it does it turn into something? People have to spend money and invest in a movie like that. And Emily Watson's amazing. And Paul Mezcal's amazing in that film. And I, I I would be delighted if it did turn out to be uh, something in the awards race. But it's it's a long way off. It's going to play all the fall festivals I'm sure. And, and it is
1: again A24. So they're pretty smart about these things. And they'll make a determination at some point. They're
0: going to decide whether it's going to happen and then they'll they'll push it right. yeah. if, if it is
1: I'm wondering if you saw Jesse Eisenberg's film and especially talking about auteurs at Cannes if you think that given that film he will become an auteur or just any of your thoughts
0: on that I maybe? think Jesse
1: Eisenberg's an auteur of his own personality right yeah. <laughs> but but actually you know it's funny both um, kid, both children in the squid and the whale Uh, have their directorial debuts at Cannes this year. Jesse and and the younger actor, Owen Klein, who directed this wild movie you should check out, got funny, uh, funny pages in director's Fortnite about an underground comics kid um it's i don't know exactly how it happened they're very different in age when you finished saving the world i saw it sundance me too yeah it's it's sort of
0: in the rear view for us yeah
1: exactly but it's a good film to it opened the critics week section which is only for first and second features i think he i think it is in in some ways an extension of his personality you know it's a little neurotic but also kind of sensitive at the same time and julianne moore is really transformative that's the real selling point absolutely so yeah maybe he'll he's be he's a lecturer. smart guy he's yeah. gonna go places he writes you know Jesse writes plays and stuff. there's a body of work there so this is just sort of the next chapter in that evolution of sorts I wasn't sure if you would both had seen uh, The Silent Twins yet or heard about it from your constituents because so I was at the premiere last night and I thought the reaction was mixed and then it had this seven-minute standing ovation, so I wasn't sure. If Ignore
0: it had... the ovations. Yeah, everybody, everybody. times them. <laughs> it's like you behave. It can you go uh, like I went. You know, you you applaud. You do you do your job. You know, it's the audience's job to stand there ad nauseum and applaud. And and if you don't, it's 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 like you're not being polite. But it it doesn't mean anything. It but really it, doesn't. It's
1: funny how it's like back home, people hear about these things and some. Media love to write about them and time them. Last night, I was standing around after this Louis Guerrero film, which was pretty funny, and someone looked over at me and was like, that was like seven or eight minutes, right? And I was like, I was not timing that. Because the truth is, you see how manufactured it is. Because there's always going to be that moment where they don't don't do Q&As here after the screening. You know, it's just the lights come up and you... Terry
0: waits just for the right amount of time because he doesn't want to cut off the, the applause. And then he hands the mic. To the person and gets them to say something, and um, and it's it's a it's a it's a performance. It, the whole thing is a performance, and it's part of why can is um, uh, such a draw for for filmmakers. You get that moment where the the microphone booms and says "Lotte," right. <laughs> Brett Morgan." Yeah, you know? as he does some and, terrible and He has dance his moves. moment, yes, and 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 they love it. They love going up the steps, the whole routine, and that applause is part of it. And it makes them feel good for five minutes until the bad reviews come in.
1: Yeah, well, that, that's a big change. I mean, just a couple of years ago, we used to see and write about the films after 8.30 a.m. press screenings. So by the time the red carpet came around, they would know what critics thought. So, you know, Michelle has an VCs, when he brought the search here, he said it was like facing a firing squad because he already knew that people didn't like his movie. So they've changed that now. They've preserved. So the screenings are at the same time. The press screens are at the same time as the premiere. So they can be more relaxed. And you can see that now.
0: Absolutely. In a different kind of
1: way. So he asked about Silent Twins, which I couldn't see. But um, I think you did.
0: That's one of those movies that that uh, is trying to adapt. I. I think that it's a, it's a book, uh, a true story, uh, about these two silent twins and what happened to them in the system, and I think the actors did a great job with it, but there's something about the way the story that was, was told, and the way they used animation, and the way they tried to open it up. This is a closed story. It is these two silent twins locked into each other's heads, and it's very difficult to open that up, and I don't think the filmmaker completely succeeded.
1: Uh, I'm wondering if you guys have any thoughts on Funny Pages and the kind of brewing relationship between A24 and Alara Pictures, like the Safdie brothers company? Yeah, it's an interesting question. Uh, so, the Safties produced this movie, which is very in line with their work, and they have a very good relationship with A24, they have a first look deal with A24, and it makes a lot of sense. I mean, these were guys who, their, their sensibilities were not seen as commercial, and they first came to directors Fortnite and Cam with their first film, The Pleasure of Being Robbed, and they were the only American film there. They were definitely more appreciated in this context than they were back home, but that was a very small movie that I have seen. Films put out. And I think what, what happened was that there was a real hunger within the industry among actors to get better material. And the Safties were working in this kind of gritty, fast and loose sort of way that was attractive to people like uh, Robert Pattinson coming off of Twilight, wanted to do so. He does Good Time, which helped that movie get into canned competition, got A24 involved in that because they saw commercial potential there. And then suddenly they have this crossover appeal, which allows them, I think, also to open up the pipeline for other talent and that similar kind of sensibility. I mean, Funny Pages is a very anarchic film, but it's also that a film. That has gotten a mixed response. And, and it has. It makes people very uncomfortable. But there's vision there. And I. it seems like just saying the title here, I see some some smiles and stuff. You know, it, it plays to the room. And it's a director who at the age of 30 could continue in a really interesting path. So I, I love the idea of filmmakers who can use that first look deal to bring more talent in because otherwise it is really hard to kind of pierce a company like that that has a really clear sense of, of what works and doesn't work. I don't know if they know what to do with this movie yet, but they want to keep the Safsies happy. we got so much to do, but we'll be around for the rest of the festival. I think you've got another day here. I'll be around a few more days. So if you see us around, tell us what you're seeing. And uh, when we find each other again, we'll have some some real palm d'Or uh, results to, to discuss. And we'll see if uh, one of us is more right than the other this time around. Well, we
0: haven't really said what we think the front runner is.
1: So right now, I actually think... It's Cronenberg, and as I said earlier, oh, I think no. it's because of that respect. It's because, but we still have films like Lucas Don's *Clothes*, which hasn't shown yet, and the buyers who saw that earlier are really high. All right, it, so. so
0: what film elicits the most emotional? response of all the films we've seen here. The
1: donkey movie you haven't seen. Really? It's very emotional. I mean, it's also very accessible. You could show it to a 10 year old and they might be a little scared by it, but they'd be able to follow it. And Jerzy Skolomowski is a very respected Polish director, 84 years old, and he's made this really interesting And which film
0: has the most relation to what is going on in the world?
1: Holy Spider is an interesting example. That, uh, that
0: is a possibility. Uh, I can see
1: differing opinions about the right. quality of the screenplay and stuff like that, but it, it could win it's, something. It's a,
0: it, uh, it, feels, it feels like a heavy hammer, cruder version of what Oscar right. Farhadi would do.
1: And often with films like that, where it's like you start to pick it apart immediately... It's easy to see how the jury might too, and you need you need something that feels like it could be consensus for some reason. You know, there's some a lot of previous palm winners here, like Christian Munju and the Darden's, and that that will come up too. Oh, but that's going to be an issue.
0: They may not want to go with someone right, who's exactly. won before, so Which it's kind of takes Kronenberg Ostland out. I understand your your argument. She didn't that,
1: believe me about Titane last year. I just want to say that's for the not record.
0: true. I knew Titane was in the running. In the running. Absolutely. Why wouldn't it be? Come on. It was
1: pretty amazing when that movie won, though. So, in any case, watch this space. (laughs) And thank you all for being here. It's always fun to, to do this in person, and we'll be back next year. Indeed. Thanks, everybody. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win?